Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 29 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm your host, Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. This has been an unbelievable last two weeks in my life and in many lives across the world. I certainly made a mistake in the interview that's upcoming when I was talking to Gwen. I said that our country was going through a very challenging, difficult time, and that's not true because the challenging, difficult time is to all people in almost 200 countries around the world. Certainly, it does not uh, just include a few. So last week, as you know, I was really unable to record an episode just because I was feeling so overwhelmed with work and just different emotions. The Andrew Larson Memorial Concert was canceled, and that felt a little bit like a new death for me. We had really worked so hard on doing something to honor Andy, and it felt like such a failure to know that that wouldn't happen for a long time, and that when it does happen, Peter might not be able to be a part of it at all. And then work has been overwhelming with having to wear personal protective equipment when seeing any sick child because I don't want to spread the virus to others. Anyway, due to that, I just was feeling like I couldn't put out an episode. It didn't seem important enough to put out an episode. But over the past two weeks, I have also felt really overwhelmed in my grief because I'm no longer focusing on it. I'm trying to shove it down and not think about it because I feel like my own personal grief isn't important enough in this desperate time. But really for me, my grief hasn't changed at all. For you listeners, your grief hasn't changed at all. If anything, it feels worse because I notice him being gone more. As my family spends more time together His absence is more painful, not less. I think about death in general more and not less. So I have decided to restart the podcast to give other people and myself some time to focus again on the grief and not just the pandemic. So today's episode, we do discuss grieving in a pandemic and how to take care of yourself and some of the things that might be going through your head. I decided to add this episode with Gwen just so we could try to understand it a little bit better. After this week, I will go back to my normal format of interviewing different parents. But for now, it felt better to take a little pause And it felt better to interview someone that I knew well, even though for the first time we had to do it remotely 
because of a shelter in place order that we were not to really be in contact with each other physically. I know at the end of this 50 minute talk with Gwen, I felt a lot better about how I was dealing with my grief and how I may be able to help others dealing with this stressful time. So I hope you feel the same and enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, Gwen, for agreeing to be on the show today on this in this kind of crazy, horrible time that our country is going through and just talking about what it means to grieve during a pandemic and when the stress level is so high everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're welcome. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on, so I'm glad to be able to talk again. It has been, but I'm sorry it's under, you know, these kind of situation, but... I know. This wasn't supposed to be our next top app. No, it was not. (laughs) And actually... What I had really hoped to talk to you about today was um, the kind of what we do with our grief and how we can put our grief in positive, in a positive direction. Um, tomorrow mm. was supposed to be the Andy Larson Memorial Concert, which right. obviously isn't happening. And, you know, they were supposed to sing the song that was written for Andy mm-hmm. for the first time. And Peter was to sing a solo part. Um which was Andy's solo. The tune was to Andy, the song that Andy sang with his solo. That's always at the end of my podcast. So Peter had been rehearsing that to sing that. And it's so hard for me because it's really, really painful to have lost that ability to be able to honor him. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't talk about it at all because it would be selfish to do so. And it feels like such a like, oh, a concert is a nothing compared to what's going on in the world. So I don't talk about it at all. And, you know, no one talks about it to me. I'm right. right? It's like we're disenfranchised in all the little losses that this pandemic has cost us. And yes, in comparison to human life, some of these things, you know, don't seemingly matter or line up to the same level of right value but to us we still we've had so many losses that when you've planned to honor your son in this way it is a huge disappointment and hurt that that's not going to happen at this time yeah it almost feels like losing him again a little bit Mm -hmm. right because I just had been so so looking forward to honoring him and honoring all of our children really who've been lost and Mm mm-hmm And it's something that now has to wait probably at least a year. And so that's hard. And then just dealing with this is hard for me. You know, it's funny. I find myself now again, I'm not sleeping. I'm, you know, I'm just crying all the time. All of those feelings are just way back up at the surface again. Right. More so than they were a month ago. It's interesting because I think when we're early on in our grief, we don't know what that rhythm and that routine is. It's horrible. It's painful. It's learning all of the management of who am I now. But what happened is, and I think especially, you know, 
everyone knows your case because you talk about it so freely is you got into a new rhythm and a routine and you were going back to work and establishing um, some really good rhythms that were helping you and now those are gone. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I still did get a little bit of kind of grace from people just remembering, right? People remembering mm -hmm. what I'm going through and the how hard that is. And that goes away in something like this. It really it does because everyone's stressed. I am yeah. certain of all the people in my office as caring as they are. I know not one of them remembers that what tomorrow was supposed to be. You know, nobody right. does. And it's right. instead these meetings and trying to figure out what to do and how are we going to be able to go on and how can we pay our staff and should we do checkups on kids anymore? Should we cancel all of them? How, how do we do this? How do we function? How do we keep everyone healthy? Well, and like you said, it does change a focus and where you were getting grace from people. I'm even thinking of um, times of enjoyment in life um, our daughter got engaged in the midst of all this or right before it started and no one's talking wedding planning. Everyone's talking about, are you working? Is your work, you know, I mean, it, it, you can't even enjoy some of the good things right now. Right. And yeah. I, I think even like on social media, I've seen people try to put some good things on there and then they're mm -hmm. almost berated. Right? Because you're not supposed to talk about anything good at all. Right. right. So yeah. in some ways, it kind of gives you an excuse to just be sad, which <laughs> I guess can be not bad for a mm -hmm. grieving person because we're right. all sad anyway. Well, the, but Right. Because that was one of the things that I mentioned to you before we um, went on the air is, again, I have no research with this, but um, when bereaved people at the beginning of your grief, you want the world to stop and you don't want to have to put on makeup and brush your teeth and go out and try to look normal. So you want that to stop. Well, now the world has stopped. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's making jokes about working, you know, um, with their bathrobe on. Well, for bereaved people, spending a whole week in your bathrobe is what we really feel like doing. So I'm wondering if it's giving some bereaved people some freedom from having to go out and do their normal routine and try to act normal. I think that could be the case. One thing, though, I feel like for us, you know, we are staying in. We're doing playing a lot more family games and doing things like that because yeah. we're not going anywhere. But it makes Andy's absence feel so much more acute, right? Because right. we're not busy and going here, there, and the other place. And so you just see him missing and that right. open spot at the table. I mean, people aren't off and working and doing stuff. And so we're very consistently setting the table for five instead of six now. So it almost hurts worse because you think of how, I don't know, I just feel him gone more. Right. Well, I'm wondering is in, you know, my children are grown and don't all live with us anymore, but that nurturing, mothering, gather all my, you know, ducklings in the nest and keep them close. 
Um, I've noticed missing the children who don't live in our home anymore so much more right now because they're not under my care. I cannot control or take care of them. And so maybe that's what you're sensing is this isn't all right because you don't have all of you together. And it's more obvious right now because you're gathering as a family more. Right, right. I can see that. I really can. And I'm sure your listeners are going, yep, I feel that way. It's, it's when we all sit down, it's so much more, their absence is so much more real or noticeable because we're gathering. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed other moms, you know, bereaved mothers that say people are online kind of complaining about having all their kids at home and oh, yeah. them going crazy. Yes. That can be really, really hurtful too, because that's all I would want is to have just one more and a little more craziness and Absolutely. right. And then, and then you don't. So that just that quietness. Oh, absolutely. And I just feel like the ability to handle stress is just so, I don't know. It's just hard. That It is. And I can't remember if we've talked about this. I remember um, you and I talking about the need to mention this. So I'll bring it up now with that whole fact of all the stimuli that comes to you when you're grieving and all the things that you have to do and then things that you don't want to do and what's important anymore. And you begin to um, change how you look at all the tasks that you have. And what I say is when you filter that through, you slow down the pace in which you live. And that's a necessity when you're grieving and you have to slow that down. And a lot of people never go back to the rush, rush, rush. But what I think right now is the stimuli that we're getting is so much uncertainty, so much concern, worry, stress, Um, not just for ourselves, but, you know, our aging neighbor or our own parents or, you know, whatever is going on in your family. So it's a big, huge thing that you have to add that's coming into your filter. Right. Right. And so I think to be aware that it's like, wait a minute, this is so much and I'm already not sleeping well and not feeling well. And um, now I've got this. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. about um, my daughter said, you know, she's been super worried about our foster son because he, you know, had a kidney transplant. So mm-hmm. he's immunocompromised. So he's at much higher risk if he were to get this virus for having a you know, bad outcome and potentially dying. And he's, she said, you have to talk to him about washing his hands. You have to talk to him about this. You have to talk to him about that and being careful. And so I did. And he said, why is she worried? And I said, Valeriano, she's already lost one brother. She can't lose another one. And that's Mm -hmm. the fear, right? You just live in this fear, especially when it is more real. Oh, yes. That I don't know how I could lose another one. And I've thought that before more abstractly. But now I've got something specific kind of to fear for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Eric and I are at so much higher risk of picking this up now. I mean, I am fully donned in this all this garb whenever I see sick kids. But still, I mean, I'm at higher risk than general population, right? Michigan's in a oh, right in a lockdown. We're all supposed to stay home, except for, of course, 
parent can right. be, which who can't stay home. Right. Which would lead to your children's anxiety. And, right. And I get that. And you also mentioned, you know, the fact that your jobs are essential. Those are the words our government is using, um, but not just essential. They're high stress right now. They're changed. They're on alert. They're changing every hour of what kind of care you give oh. and how you give it. And, and and that's totally true. The messages that we get from the hospital, they do change every hour. There was one day it was, um, you know, we had all these only these certain groups of people that we could even test for the COVID. We could test. And then it switched a few hours later, and it said, anybody that comes in with a cough and fever, you should get a test on. And that lasted literally like an hour because we're having this meeting. We're talking about it. And and the one of my partners said, oh, my husband just sent me a message. They just retracted that and changed it back again. Now it's only hospitalized people because they've run out of tests. So, right. I mean, it's it's just it changes literally hourly. <laughs> Yesterday, Eric said, I can't believe it. I only got one email from the hospital today and I'm so used to getting at least five, you know, so it's uh, in some ways you kind of have to laugh about it because otherwise I'll just cry about that too. And I can't handle Mm -hmm. crying about everything right now. Yeah. So what are you doing to de-stress? Is there any moments of your day that you are incorporating something that just helps you relax or unwind um you know eric and i are reading a little bit at night Mm -hmm. so we're doing that he read he's he picked a book and he's reading it out loud before we go to bed Mm -hmm. which i think is good instead of looking at a tv screen yeah you know so i think that's that's good but not a lot really we've been trying to go on some walks but it's been Mm -hmm. cold it snowed here again i know (laughs) Yes, Sunday. We had a few inches of snow Monday, which was not fun. But I hope as the weather warms up, maybe we'll walk around the neighborhood a little bit. Mm-hmm. We did that Saturday, even though it was terribly cold. But it was good for me because I, you know, I had a headache. I'm just stressed. And just right. that walking was helpful. Mm-hmm. But again, right. you have to be in a place where you can do that safely, too. Some of right. these people living in the city, I don't think there it's as easy for them to go out and go for a walk not at all not at all so i i think it's good for all of us to know that right now we have to incorporate some things that just take our mind off of it or relax us Mm -hmm. and make a point to do that even more so than before yeah because i'm not someone who struggles with anxiety but i have a I don't know how else to describe it, but just a heaviness or a nervousness in my chest area where I think, oh, and even we are down to five rolls of toilet paper. And that's never bothered me before <laughs> as a mom to be like, oh, I'll stop at Costco and get some on the way home. Well, I'm not driving to anywhere near a store right now. And then um, our local store has not had any. So there's just a level of panic that I've never experienced before. And so I had to even ask myself, what, what am I going to do so that Gwen doesn't lose it? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. I, I, and that's interesting coming from you because I feel like for me, 
I've kind of been feeling like I've been half losing it for a year and a half anyway. <laughs> right. That's what I was just going to so say. My baseline and is I, so much lower. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I'm not actively grieving. I mean, I've had some things happen in the last few months that were in a season of, you know, my aging parents and moving them and having um, a surgical procedure myself. So I have had seasons right now, but I'm not actively grieving. And I know the difference between just having to go through some things in life versus having my heart ripped apart. I, I know there's a big difference. And so I know how I feel when I'm not wounded in that way that brief people are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, how do we double up on that for the brief people? And I don't know. And one of the reasons that I don't know is I will tell you that in in the work that I do, we've created some private Facebook groups for different individuals in different groups. And we've been posting and posting questions. And I probably invited maybe 14 or 15 people to the one particular group. And only three people have joined. And then when I put the questions out there, they're not answering them. Mm -hmm. We were in a circle face to face. I know these people would be sharing and talking. So I have to ask myself, is everyone just saying, I'm not getting involved in anything right now? Like I can't even take that on. It's just a odd time for us as care providers to figure out how to reach people, how often. So for those of you who are listening, who are hurting, which is, you know, a majority of our audience is if things are available, um, take advantage of them or let people who support you know ways that they can support you during this time, I think is important. So last week, no, I didn't put out an episode. I was just too overwhelmed. I just right. couldn't do it. So I I didn't and I I wrote a post instead and I at the end said, I think I'm going to have a virtual support group through via Zoom. At mm-hmm. the time that the concert was supposed to be. Now it'll be tomorrow night. Oh, okay. So it'll yeah. be, it will have been completed by the time this airs. And I put that on there. And then I always have Eric proofread whatever I put out because I always mess something up. It seems like spelling or <laughs> punctuation, something I, I just overlook. So he looked at okay. it and he said, are you sure you want to do that? What if you have 50 or 100 people want to do this group? Right. But, and I said, well, I guess if it comes to that, it does. We'll just see. But I think I feel like I want to put it out there anyway. And I I don't think I have more than 10 or 12. So it, yeah. it goes along with what you're saying. Because I, I mean, this post was read by a lot of people, hundreds of people, right. maybe mm-hmm. even a thousand people. And yet not very many actually did kind of take me up on that offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how many people do that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the people that wanted to be on are people that have been on the show before or like friends of mine or something like that. Or actually a couple of them, I think, are guests that are scheduled to be on that I have kind okay. of postponed. So there aren't that many that just kind of did it out of the blue without any right. tie. You mean as a stranger to right. you? Right. Okay. As a stranger to me. Yeah. I think only a couple. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
our ministry belongs to the National Alliance of Grieving Children, which is kind of a, I mean, it is a national group that kind of governs and monitors grief centers for children and families. And so they've been having weekly meetings, just having conversations throughout the country of what people are doing. And I do know that a lot of groups are moving to this Zoom, but we haven't had enough of them to know what the response is yet. Mm -hmm. We'll have call on Friday to see if anyone has done that and what the results have been. But right now what this group is doing is supporting and educating the workers who are offering the support. So they're helping us look at strategies for managing anxiety and fear in the adults and the children and that sort of thing. And then what does teletherapy look like? Yeah. So trying to figure that out. So I think that's the other thing is no one really knows. It's like we're living in a gray area. One of the decisions I feel like I have to look at if we start Zoom meetings, then when we are able to go back to face-to-face, I think there's going to be a percentage of people who would rather stay in the Zoom. And I don't know that I want that to replace the face-to-face connections and contacts. I'm worried that it's going to change the fabric of how we relate to each other. Well, I had somebody ask me that the other day because, you know, I'm examining kids in the car. I'm I'm diagnosing right. ear infections in people's cars now. And they said, you sure you really want to do that? They're going to want you to keep doing that forever. <laughs> exactly. So. That is my fear. It really is. And I've said this before. I mean, we all need human connection and we all need to to be in community. And this is taking that and pulling the community, in my view, further and further apart. And I also think that when people can um, maybe be in a room with strangers or not have to see someone's reaction to that, I think people are going to lose some of their sensitivity to others in the group. That's my fear. Well, I could see that. I can understand that. Yeah. But I feel mm-hmm. like I, I, right now, I so desperately feel like I need it. Um, right. That it, yeah. yeah. Now, have you been talking with, so I know you are close to some of the women that you, you know, other bereaved moms that yeah. you have walked this journey with. Have you been connecting with them? I have been connecting with some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Some, but not quite as much just because I feel like I'm just stressed out. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what I'm wondering is like, what's keeping people because I know, you know, the group um, of ladies, and I know that they miss not meeting, but yet in the, we set up for some of them to meet the response isn't there. So I'm just wondering what that's, I think it's just a difficult time for everybody. Yeah, it's just so there's so much unknown right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that's why I think there are these runs on, you know, food and toilet paper. Like you said, people are yeah. just so panicked and so they so don't know what's going to happen. And you feel like you want to try to get a little bit of control over something. Mm-hmm. And so that, then you reach out and do maybe more tangible things like getting extra supplies um, mm-hmm. because you just don't know how to handle some of the emotional things that are going on. Right. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I have been impressed with uh, is how many people have been putting up exercising at home and doing some things. And I think 
those people, there are certain people who have a great routine of exercising. And obviously they're the ones who want to keep doing it, whether they can go to the gym or not. But I think for those of us who don't have those good habits, um, now's a good time to start them. No, you know, you don't have to buy special clothes. No one's going to see you. It doesn't matter your level of in shapeness or being compared to the others in the room. Because you're the only one in the room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking now's the time. You know, you want to kind of always wanted to look at maybe doing yoga. Well, you can join one of these virtual things and, and do that. So I would just encourage people to do that along with the good things that I've read about getting up and having routines of if you're working at home to get up, shower, get dressed, but you know, don't do it in your bathrobe because you're, you're not triggering yourself. to I need to be at work right now. Yeah, I know. I've been having a hard time wanting to do that on the days I'm not going into work and I should. And I'm trying to be better about the kids, right? I'm making them stick to a routine and try to do some schoolwork and things like right. that. But You know, I mentioned before, just not knowing what this is doing to families and if the hunkering down has been good. I have to say, Facebook, um, personally, I have a lot of, you know, brave people that are friends with me. Right. And I, I've watched a lot of these um, I'm thinking of our widows, um, not just widows, I, I can say that for our child loss too, is how that family time and more time just reading with their kids and snuggling and um, they're cherishing that right now. Yeah, I think about the widows on and some of the groups that I'm in with Starlight, you know, I'm in that women's book yeah. club and I know they feel so... Um, kind of lonely and isolated anyway some of the yes. older women that are widows that don't have anyone else at home I think how difficult this must be for them because now that social any bit of social life that they had any bit of communicating with other people they had is now really gone especially Absolutely. starting today with in the state of Michigan and in many other states as well when you're not supposed to leave your house right Exactly. And you mentioned, I think it was before we started recording that your family's playing more games. No, we talked about that. Yeah, yes. playing more games and mm -hmm. playing more games and that sort of thing. Well, if you take a widowed person or someone who lives alone, um, yeah, it's really hard. They're very isolated. So my mother-in-law has been widowed for, it'll um, be 14 years. And um, she lives pretty much across the street. We live in the country. I can't see her house unless I go out on my porch and lay down, but it's technically across the street. Um, she is um, quarantined to her home. So we've been talking, um, making visits where you can talk through the door to her. And I've seen those on Facebook, but just really that she needs to see us and hear us and be connected. And um, it takes a little bit more effort, but it's so important for those people living alone. Yeah, I think even in these uh, retirement communities, you wonder what they're doing because they usually can go and eat lunch all together and yes. dinner and do all of this. And I assume a lot of places are limiting that and bringing food they straight are. to them instead, which has got to be more challenging because then you have the fear plus that loneliness. Oh, well, that's, you know, I sit here and I think to myself and, you know, being a person of faith, I don't just talk to myself. I'm, I'm continually in conversation with God saying, really, what's this going to do to the 
the depression rate or the disconnectedness or what what is going to happen when people don't have contact with other people mm-hmm. um, and i know i've seen and my daughter is a certified nurse's aide at a small um, assisted living um, memory care center and they opened they're feeding their residents in their room but they're opening up the doors and ha- bringing them each a tray in front of their doors and playing bingo down the hallway Oh, well, that's something. They're all sitting in their doorway and they're hearing other people talk and they're playing the game and they can yell, you know, hear someone yell from way down the hall, bingo. And she said it just changed their mood when they opened up their door and had that limited contact. Oh, what a great idea. I know. I feel Um, like making a Zoom conference and doing bingo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So it is, it's, it is we're not aware. And, you know, I've heard, and I'm not a, a financial person. I'm not a political person. And, but hearing like, we're not going to know the effects of this for a while, but people are going to be affected financially. It does affect um, so much, but this is where I come from is what cost is it going to be emotionally, socially, mentally for people? Right. Well, and I was just reading, of course, being in pediatrics about the fears that child abuse cases will go up to as people are in their homes with their children and they're stressed because they can't work and they have no money and then kids are acting up. And so that puts a lot of fear in me too. just Mm -hmm. being a real child advocate. I fear for that. I fear for kids in bad homes and bad situations with really stressed parents who don't have good coping skills anyway. You worry about that. I do too. I do too. Yeah. I know there, I was just reading an article on a hospital in Texas somewhere that had a like two deaths in this last week with kids and they usually only have six in about a year and it's hard to know whether it's related or not related at this point in time because it's quite early but they certainly were fearful that they're going to see more oh definitely fear no one I mean we don't want to live with that foundation of fear and what's next and how long is this going to last and you know I think it's it kind of reminds me of when you traveled when your kids were little and they'd say how many more miles mm-hmm. and if you really told them that you had 340 miles left it'd be too depressing so you say well you know just a couple more hours and you try to always just minimize that right reality i feel the same thing with this because i just tell myself okay you know april a few weeks and then it's that unknown, like you said, that how long will this last and what will happen? It's not a fun foundation. And and then if you say, okay, because I remember my husband would always say to the kids, we have 12 miles, no matter how far we had to go every time they asked, <laughs> we had 12 miles. And they'd say, no, I really want the truth. That's kind of where I'm at. No, just tell me the truth. How long is Yeah, and no one knows the answer. No one knows the answer. That's no, what's so challenging. Down, yeah. You can't look down at the odometer and know the truth of how many more miles we really have to go. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, when people shut things down for two or three weeks and then other people say, well, it's got to be at least eight before it does any good. And somebody else saying, well, we really should be doing this for 20. You know, I've got a friend of mine saying this. How long is this going to go on? It really can't be 20 weeks, can it? And like, yeah, really could. 
It really could. I don't know. No one knows. I don't know. It's interesting, Marcy, as as we've been talking, I before we just like, okay, Lord, whatever people out there need to hear, just bring it to our minds. And as we're talking, I I'm sitting in a, a bedroom that has two windows in it. And for Christmas, I got a bird feeder that attaches to the window where my desk is. Mm-hmm. My kids would probably laugh if they heard this because I think they think I'm turning into some weird bird lady or something. <laughs> when you, you know, just listening to us talk and I'm thinking, okay, how do we uplift people? I mean, I think sometimes just even changing your perspective of the room you're in, looking outside, even if you can't get outside and looking out the window. And I would highly recommend if they still have these on Amazon, getting one that atta- a bird feeder that attaches to your window and you can see the birds so close. Mm-hmm. It just kind of changes our perspective. Yeah, Eric put out our bird feeder the other day, too. I I just really feel like as the weather warms, and if you can, just getting a little bit of fresh air, Mm -hmm. I think will be really, really helpful. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's supposed to start getting a little bit warmer. I Um, think so. mm -hmm. I think so. (laughs) That's our hope. You know, and I don't know what other encouragement, because like I said, in just really our hearts wanting to encourage the listeners today of knowing that, hey, the slowdown in the world could match how they feel in their hearts. And maybe it's not as stressful, just not having the pressure of everyday life. But I think maintaining a good balance, reaching out to others is huge when you need to talk and connect and realize that we all need that connectedness. And well, in this, in doing these Zoom conference things is not that hard. It is really very, very easy. And I think it can bring us in smaller groups uh, closer together. Because I know a lot of all of these support groups have all been canceled, it seems like around the country. So for us, as grievers to be able to do something like this, where we can actually even look at each other, will be nice i mean it will be and i've read on the news i mean they're doing it within an al-anon and you know um and you know aa meetings and things because people rely on that so much yeah for sobriety and for their stability um to not be able to gather at those things was really hard so they are using the zoom conference and connecting and so it is a great way and we are social creatures we really mm-hmm. do rely on each other and can get help from each other. So it is nice to still be able to reach out to other people. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is a time when you can reach out to other people that are hurting just exactly like you are, too. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I've often said to my own children is nothing replaces a handwritten note. And I've noticed even with my great niece, who's she's seven, And one of the things that she's doing is um, writing notes to my parents who are her great grandparents um, and even her own grandparents, just writing notes. We can find ways to connect and encourage other people too. um, That it's just kind of causing us to stop and be more intentional about how are we going to reach out to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good, good thing to think about. And I love what, you know, other people have been putting out there. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but people have been putting some good ideas and sharing them of what they've, you know, done with their children. And just even 
making handmade games, you know, make your own ring toss, have the kids cut them out. I, I just had a friend say, uh, my children are quarreling. So, um, they have to write their grievances down. And she said, now it's become a writing assignment. <laughs> so, you know, we can get creative. Yeah, that, that is a creative way to do that. You stop <laughs> the fighting for sure then if they have to write a paper every time they get yes. angry with yes. each other. Yep. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Something that just came to my mind when I was thinking about tomorrow night for you that I just want to commend you on that you might not be aware that you even did it is that I think you've heard me say that for bereaved people, if we sit down or back or whatever and wait for someone else to meet our needs, we're probably going to be disappointed mm -hmm. that we have to find the energy to say, this is what I need. I love the fact that you reached out and said, I need to be with people. I want to talk tomorrow night and set up that meeting that you took the initiative. And I know that's not easy as a bereaved person to do because you have such limited energy, but that's really awesome that you did that. So I think just encouraging other people, if you're going to sit in your house and wait for someone to send you a note or, you know, um, do something for you that we have to take the energy and reach out and let people know, Hey, this is where I'm at, and I'd love to talk with you today. Well, and for me, I just feared what seven o'clock on March 25th was going to feel like when mm -hmm. that, or when I wasn't sitting in the front row of that, you know, huge cathedral and welcoming everyone and talking about Andy. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. going to be doing that. So I felt like I wanted to try to do something in that time so that I wasn't just kind of curled up on my bed and crying because <laughs> right. that otherwise that could be what happened. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's okay to do that a little bit. Um, you know, yesterday mm -hmm. I had a stressful day at work and I came home and I just didn't do anything for probably a couple of hours. Um, but then I did and then I got up and then I so I think you do need to take some time and it's okay to take some time, but you don't want to do that all the time. Either. Right. Oh, and again, it goes back to balance. I mean, it's having that alone time and the crying and expressing and just, and when you just said you just didn't do anything, you were kind of refilling. I mean, because all day your job had taken and taken from you. And then before you, as a mom, have to, you know, figure out dinner for the family and engage in what they need. And, um, and honestly, that's what I was doing. I was laying on the bed, dreading having to make dinner and dreading mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Yep. Because I yep. just didn't feel like I had it in me. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like I, all day now, I mean, Overall, my job as a pediatrician is to offer encouragement to parents, right? That's what I do. And that is the majority of what I do, really. But now they're so fearful. And so I'm just constantly for seven hours trying to calm people down and try to settle their fears. And then I don't have anything left at the end of that time there's really? like nothing really? left so then when I get home I like to make dinner just feel so completely and totally overwhelming at mm -hmm. that point I just 
Like, I feel like I'm giving and I am ending up in the negative at the yeah. end of the day. And, and then you think, oh, now I'm going to crash and go to sleep. And you lay down and your mind starts and you can't sleep. And I can't sleep. No, I can't yep. sleep. I can't sleep. Yep. I'm so tired and I cannot sleep. Yep. So. Yep. But I do think that just being still, because it's been said that, you know, um, if you can write a prescription for bereaved people and, and not just a death loss, but any rite of passage, that people should rest their body at least three times a day for 20 minutes. Do nothing. Mm-hmm. And stop and allow your body just to slow down and recharge or whatever that is. So we'd be good to take that prescription right now three times a day for 20 minutes, just doing nothing. Okay. I love that. I love that. I think we should write yeah. that down for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think we all should write that down and try to do that yeah. a little bit because that may help kind of refill a little bit of that energy so you don't feel like you're so, mm-hmm. so drained. Yeah. All right. Yep. And it's a retreat to our rooms and just, yeah, that kind of thing. So I hope we've been somewhat encouraging to the audience today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope so too. But yeah. And I feel like in some ways I'm not been that encouraging, but it's just because it's just, it's been so stressful to me, but I think it's important though, to be honest too, and to not put up this false, like I'm just doing fine and everything's great because that's just not true. And I think people appreciate that honesty, that it's okay. It's okay. Right. When I said encouraging, what I know is what's encouraging to someone who exactly how you feel that they're normalized. So people are sitting back going, yes, yes, I think making dinner for my family is draining too. And, you know, so you did encourage them to lie down for a few hours and dread what's next. Um, you know, that is an odd way to say it, but it is encouraging. No, you're right. Yeah. It gives them, um, you said what you do is, you know, in your job is seven hours of reassuring parents. Um, majority of what a grief counselor's job is, is normalizing reactions. Yeah, misery loves company. I mean, just like, I'm not the only one feeling this, you know. I, I think you're right. I mean, I hate, you hate to say misery loves company yeah. and that, but in some ways it is okay to just feel like it's normal. It's normal to feel more overwhelmed yeah is that not what bonded you to the group of parents that you're in a bereaved group with is we're all in this together and this miserable state to be so it it it's just like I'm glad to know I'm not the only one doing this Mm -hmm. and I I know that it can it can be easy to feel angry sometimes in this time too right I've known some different bereaved people that feel very angry with people who aren't social socially distancing themselves right who are going out and doing all of the stuff that they're not supposed to be and it just makes them angry um Mm -hmm. and I can feel that way too right I feel like I have been through this horrible horrible loss and what it feels like to lose someone that I love so much and for other people to not at all take that seriously and it's what it feels like and to just mm-hmm. feel like oh it's okay 
that if we lose, you know, a few hundred thousand people in this country, it's like not a big deal. Like that is very painful. <laughs> and that makes you very, very angry that people will oh, treat absolutely. it that way. Mm -hmm. Because when I hear someone died, one person, I know how many people who love that one person and what they're feeling and experiencing. So the other day when I heard, I believe the number was 60 some people had died that day from the COVID virus, but 60 people, do you know how many hurting people that equals? Now, granted, 60 people die every day all over this country. So, but it's just that heightened awareness that it could be something that's preventable if we all just do what we're supposed to do. So I'm sure that makes people and and I think too, I find myself obsessed with looking at those numbers because I think the same way you do now. You know, I just I'm looking at it right now. So as of right now on the little okay. website, there are 667 deaths in this country to COVID. And that I just think of all of the sad families that that has left, you know, mm -hmm. and even though I know because I see influenza every day and I know of the thousands and thousands of people that kills every year, but to see those numbers makes it mm -hmm. so much more real. And you think about those families mm -hmm. in a specific way. Anyway, yeah. I, 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 I just find myself obsessing about it. I think more than I would have otherwise just having experienced death and experienced loss and knowing how these people must be feeling and knowing right. that for these families of these 667 people, it's been their worst day ever. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I always think back to, you know, my worst day ever was August 15th, 2018. That hopefully will always be my worst day ever. Um, right. Right. But I think about a lot of people now are having their worst day ever. Yep. Absolutely. So to kind of have a little, I think, I don't know if grace is the right word, but just thinking about that, thinking about what challenges other people are having can hopefully change your perspective a little bit too and perspectives of people who are inconvenienced by not being able to get supplies they want. If you put it in perspective of, well, I'm not having the worst day ever. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, again, I could get really looking at history here, but I was talking to a family member today who had lost their job before this pandemic hit. So trying to find a job during this time is almost impossible. And so they have a lot of maybe different reasons to be discouraged, but they said, we are still living in the land of plenty. This person said to me, my family owns five cars. I have a freezer full of meat. So when I look at history, we are still living in a land of plenty where in the Great Depression, these people were also not knowing if they were going to have any food. <laughs> so yeah, we still have, um, it's a perspective. And, and I think that's where I mentioned like looking out a window, going for a walk, taking a bath, stopping and, you know, resting for a few minutes 
all those things change our perspective. You mentioned reading a book and not looking at a screen before you go to bed changes your perspective. I think that the other piece when we can't change our own perspective is realizing that if there are people who love you and are praying for you and care about you, that if you can stand on that perspective that I might not feel it right now mm -hmm. or know it, but I'm gonna live on the fact that other people are carrying me right now in their prayers and in their thoughts, that that can change our perspective as well. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's easy when you're grieving to feel like, I don't necessarily want to die, obviously, but you sometimes don't care so much if you do, right. because the mm -hmm. idea of having to go on in your grief can be so overwhelming. But right. then when you think of the pain of other people, with your loss or other losses, it does change how you think mm -hmm. about it that way. It does. Mm -hmm. I think when you mentioned, you know, having to look at other people's perspectives, that is one of the things that I think would make us more sensitive as a culture and as neighbors and family and friends is when you look at someone to not look at it through your lens, because their life is not like your life. Their marriage is not your marriage. They're fighting. You don't know what they see. Mm -hmm. I care for people and they come into seeing me. I always take a few minutes before I meet with someone and say, Lord, help me see what they see because that's the only way that I can walk with someone. Because if I come in looking at it through my lens and my world, that would not be helpful. No. And it wouldn't make the, the other person feel like they're understood or heard. So I think when we truly say we have to look at someone else's perspective, it's a conscious decision mm -hmm. to do. Well, and it's something I feel like as a grieving person, I do much more easily than I did before the loss of mm -hmm. Andy. And I've talked to so many other parents that feel the exact same way and grieving people that feel the exact same way that they just it just changes your ability to be able to see other perspectives. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it is a little bit of a blessing that I'd say that we can do that. And again, when we I've talked a lot about how, and you've talked too about how it's not great that bereaved people have to teach others that you feel like you have right. to teach yeah. them. But in some ways, we, we can teach them in this too. Right? Because right. there are a lot of people, those people that went out and bought all the toilet paper so that you only have five rolls left in your house. <laughs> yes. They were really not looking at someone else's perspective, right? They were only thinking about right. their own perspective. They're panicked. I understand that you're panicked and you're anxious mm -hmm. and you do unrealistic and unreasonable things. But I would say if those same people, almost the majority of them, the vast majority of them, if they'd have thought about other people's perspectives, they probably would have just gotten one big jumbo pack right? and not 20, right? Yeah. So it is something that as bereaved people, maybe we can show the ability to be able to look at things from other perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I guess maybe that's one thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for agreeing to be on today and talking well, with me. You're welcome. It has certainly you're helped welcome. me. I feel better Good. than I did before we Good. started. <laughs> so hopefully other listeners will feel a little bit better than they did about yes. an hour ago. So Yeah. 
And, you know, just set things down every once in a while and just let them go by and just recharge. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. And I hope to talk to you and your listeners again soon. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.